Here we go. Last week, we talked about the top 10 gifts, right, that dads wanted for Father's Day. And um, the top one was a simple phone call. But I, I close with challenging everyone to carve out time for God and think about, like, tithing your time, right? Taking 10% of your time and giving that to God. Um, spending time with God is one of the ways we get to nurture embodied faith. So for those of you that don't know, I partner with... Uh, Zach Elliott over at V3 Ministries, and at V3 Ministries, we're about uncovering enchanted reality. That's why we exist, right? We believe that there's beauty all around, commingled with brokenness, no doubt, that needs to be um, uncovered. So, so often we see brokenness, and that brokenness tries to mask what God is doing, um, it tries to mask what God is doing, right? It tries to cover it up, um, what he's still doing. But how do you uncover enchanted reality? That sounds like... <laughs> right? How do you do that? Well, we do that by nurturing embodied faith. So what exactly is embodied faith? So let's get some definitions here. Um, to embody means... To be an expression of or to give a tangible or visible form to an idea, a quality, a feeling, right? We all know what faith is, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So you're probably thinking, how do you embody something that is unseen and you make something tangible that is hoped for? Well, isn't that what we're doing when we, we take the bread and the wine, right? His blood his body. We are making the sacraments and the sacramental dimension of our Christian faith tangible. Embodied faith can't just be lived out in a vacuum, right? Disconnected, disenchanted from reality. Um, it can't be some airy, you know, platitude and abstraction. It's, it requires God. It requires us as as a body. Um, it requires, requires being in the world and not of the world. But let's look at some examples in the Bible of, uh, of just faith, right? And I want you to remember the definition, right? To embody means to be an expression of or to give a tangible or visible form to, right? And I'm going to read from Hebrews 11, known as the faith chapter, and I'm going to read for a little bit, 1 through 16. So, 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things unseen. For by it the elders obtain a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying to his gifts, and through it being, but, and through it being dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, 
and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who sees, so sorry, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Pause right there. So, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, there's no way that you can embody faith. It's impossible to embody, right? There's a bunch of different things that we embody all the time, and I'll get to those in a minute. But without faith, you can't embody it. Look at 7. By faith, Noah, Noah, being divinely warned of the things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he would be going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of the promise in a foreign country, dwelling in the tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was well past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, hold on a second. You know, whoever writes Hebrews is, you know, has some humor to it. <laughs> you guys realize that? Because, I mean, Abraham was like 99 years old. So... <laughs> Just pointing that out, you know. But yeah, therefore, one, by one man who's him is he's good as dead. He's ninety nine. He's a hundred years old, right? Was born many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All of these, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is who we're talking about, not having conceived the promises. No, sorry, not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar. These all died, right? These all died in faith. But they were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims of the earth. 14. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out of, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Look at verse 3 again. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. How, how is that possible? That sounds impossible. How can this be? Isn't that what Mary said to Gabriel? How can this be? Right? When she was to birth a child that never knew a man, how can this? That's impossible. Right? How can this be? But Gabriel said to her, What do you say? Like, nothing's impossible with, with God. Like, nothing is impossible with God. And the rest of its history, we all know the rest of that story, and thank God for the rest of that story, right? Meg Brockman says this, she's a good writer, explains embodied faith this way. 
Being the body of Christ means allowing the model of the incarnation to challenge us radically to embodied faith. A faith that is practiced and worked out through our lived experiences. That's how we embody faith. Right? The model that Christ has set before us and allow that to radically challenge us. And embodied faith must wrestle with what the body of Christ means. With revelation that continues from our experience. So as you get older, there should be more revelation, more revelation. You probably heard me say this before. Every five years, I feel like, you know, me personally, I've gone through more of a jump. The more I follow Christ, I've noticed. I look back five years like, wow, man, I'm, like I'm closer, a lot closer to God. I'm more wise than I was five years ago, you know, at 37 or at 32 and then at 27. Like I'm much more wiser, right, because I'm allowing God to radically change me. And you should, you guys can probably attest to it too. No matter if you're 30, you look back to 25, you're like, man, you know what? I'm a lot wiser because I've been following God. If you're 25, you look back to 20. Man, I'm a lot, I'm a lot wiser than I was at, at 20, right? But we've got to allow this to change us, to transform us. Earlier I said that spending time with God is how you nurture and body faith. That's the how. Right? That's the how. Our why is to help people uncover enchanted reality. That's the why. That's why we do what we do. Okay? You're saying, Pastor, I know the why. Okay? Uncover enchanted faith. Faith is not in a vacuum. And embodied faith can't be disconnected. Okay, got it. It needs to be involves people, involves church, involves the body. How? Nurture embodied faith. But what's the what? Right? What what do we do? I always get like what do you what do we do? I get it. Enchanted reality. That's nice, you know. <laughs> but what, how do I get to that road? How do I get to there, right? Well, there are spiritual disciplines that you can do to help nurture embodied faith, that help to nurture embodied faith. Here's a few of them. Meditation, finding a quiet place void of distraction to just be with God, to wait on the Lord, to offer that time as a sacrifice to the Lord. Prayer, carving out time to thank him for everything he has done in your life, right? Letting your desires be known to him. Last week we talked about talking to God, right? Study, talked about that, eating the word of God, right? Letting the word of God wash over you. You know, don't conform to the word the world be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's, that's this. Be transformed into his likeness. Fasting. Denying the flesh. Right? In this context, it's eating, but maybe eating is, not eating is really easy for you. Maybe you need to fast from social media. Maybe you need to fast from, I don't even know, Netflix. You know, maybe like, yeah, I can go days without eating. It's nothing. Well, then... What is it that you need to fast from, right? It might not be. It might not be food. That might be easy for you. And with some of you, it might be food. Right? We, uh, we don't eat by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. All these are disciplines when you think about, when you think about it, are just ways that we 
spend time with him. Right? So if I'm fasting from social media, then that time that I would be scrolling through my social media, let me carve that time out for God. If I'm fasting from food, sustaining from food, then that time, right, I'm spending with God. Studying, carving out time for God. Prayer, spending time with God. Meditation, spending time with God. There's just different ways to spend time with the Father. And through that, that starts to nurture embodied faith. It becomes real to us. Just know, and how about the corporate discipline of worship? How can this be embodiment of faith? Communing with our brothers and sisters, right? Offering up a sacrifice of praise. Look at Hebrews 13 and 15. Look what this says. Therefore, by him, should be up here in a minute. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, this is where he explains, let me tell you what it is. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So when we stand and sing corporately, when we worship, we offer the fruit of our lips as a sacrifice of praise. We should sing. Even Sometimes I, I don't feel like singing, I'll be honest. Sometimes like, man, I don't, I don't feel like clapping my hands. I don't, feel like, I don't feel like it. You know, I just don't, but I'm here. And then I start to do it. And then, I don't know, something comes over me, you know, where I'm at the one song, the two songs, and I'm like, I feel... Like, I feel connected to the body. I feel like I have a purpose. I feel like right now that I'm offering up a sacrifice of praise to God because he's, he's worthy of it. He's worthy of my, of my lips singing to him and giving him praise. So when we sing, it's, it's you know, like I get to, we've got to look at it differently. I, I get to participate with all of you in worshiping God. It's a participation that, I, I, that happens. Not like, oh, I'm getting up and singing. Like, I, it's, a, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. There's places even now that you can't even, you can't sing to Jesus. Certain countries, they kill you. People are underground, clapping their hands in the basement, whispering, singing. We get to sing loud. So it's a privilege. Be grateful for it. Romans 28 says this, God works out everything for the good of those that love him. So when scripture says to be anxious for nothing, but with everything make your desires known to God, that is in direct correlation with our why. So then we live out an unconcerned life. Right? Like Mitch was saying today, we don't worry like either the world worries. We're not anxious the way the world is anxious. We don't fear the way that, they, that the world fears. We shouldn't. Because we know who our Father is. When he says, don't be afraid of sudden fear, we start to, we start to get it. Right? We start to, start to get it. It becomes not so foreign to us. Like, okay, well, I have... I have Jesus, and that's like the trump card 
So, like, I win, like, either way. When I lose, I win, and when I win, I win. So I always win because I have Christ in me. So I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of sudden fear, right? So if we love one another, we should see each other. We should see our city, right, differently. The way that we love, what we love becomes rightly ordered, right? Becomes rightly ordered. Our vision is up. So what hinders embodied faith? Just give it away. Top one is obviously fear. It starts with not trusting the Lord, leaning on your own understanding, never acknowledging him, and privately walking your own path. Basically the opposite of Proverbs 3.5. <laughs> right? But we all know what that looks like to embody fear. You know, you're walking through a dark alley and you get that, that, that tingle, that eerie tingle that overcomes you. You feel it. You ever been frozen with fear that you stop breathing? Like, you literally, like, can't catch your breath. You know, you get that dreaded phone call from a doctor that you've, you know, you've lost a loved one. For me, it was my mom. And it's like, okay, I just talked to her last night. Why are you talking? Why is a doctor calling me, asking me if I am the son of, like, you know, you know? Some of you experienced that recently in this room, that phone call. Um, yeah, fear. Hmm. Something not so heavy. You know, it, it, fear is not all that bad, I guess. It, it, it warns you from things. It warns you from, you can harness it, right? It tells you, like, not to jump off the cliff. It should, Right? Speaking of cliffs, anybody ever been cliff jumping before? Yeah? Yeah, yeah? Did you ever jump off a high dive? You ever jump off a high dive? I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> but I've done it a couple times. First time, lava hot springs. Just coming out of high school, me and my friends go up. This is in Idaho. And it's a high dive. And I remember going there and... and uh, a couple of guys were like, yeah, we're going to go off the high dive. I'm like, all right. It doesn't look that bad. When you're down here and looking up, it doesn't look that bad. And I remember we met some other college guys and college bros, and they were like, hey, man, are you going on the high dive, man? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know? All right, man, what's your name? And Jerome. Oh, man, cool. Nice to meet you. Hey, man, bro, we're going to be rooting for you, man. We're rooting for you. I'm like, all right, I didn't ask for your support, but okay. So I get up there, and it's a long line. It, it takes like, I don't know, I don't know why it takes like 15 minutes, but it was a long line. But there's kids jumping off. There's like this one kid, he's about Maddox's age, he's 10. He jumps off and he's like, yeah, puts his, and grabs it and does a spin. So then I get up there, all right? I'm getting chills just even think, thinking about this going back, but I get up there. I remember getting right to the edge and fear, just like I, I froze. And I was like, oh, nope, nope, no, I can't, right? And then that same bro guy, right, <laughs> he's like, Jerome, you got this, man. So, and this is, a big, this is a big park. I don't know how we got everybody to chant my name, 300-something people. He's like, Jerome, Jerome. Everybody starts chanting my name. Listen, it's pretty awesome to have 
300 plus people chant your name, but not in this situation, okay? <laughs> and so I am, I'm trying to walk away, and everybody's chanting my name, and I'm like, oh, man. Well, I got to do it now. I got to do it for the children. <laughs> I do it for the kids. I'll do anything for the kids, okay? I'm like, okay, so I had to conquer my fear. Uh, well, I definitely couldn't go like this. My body would not let me jump. It literally would not let me jump. So I just went back all the way and kind of just looked up, and I just, and I just ran. I just looked, vision up, and then I went off. <laughs> so <laughs> that's <laughs> terrifying. thought I conquered that fear. Five years later, I'm dating my wife, Erin. She's not here right now, so I can talk about her. She's at home with the kids. And... Uh, we were actually in southern Utah, like you guys were, and Lake Powell, and we're, now we're cliff jumping. It's even higher than, see, like, the high dive is like 33 feet. This is a little higher. I'm dating Aaron for a couple months, right? Take her with my, some of my best friends. We go out there, and she's like, yeah, we'll go cliff jumping. I'm like, oh, man, dang, not again. She gets up there, like, like it's nuts, goes out, yeah, woo! And I'm like, man, this woman trying to show me up in front of my friends. I know she's watching. My friend Adam and everybody like, man, dude, she's dope, man. Yeah. I'm like, man, I got now I got to do it. I did it with a lot of prayer. But fear, horror movies. Freddy Krueger used to oh, torture me. I, literally every night. Dreams. Nightmares. This is what happens when you grow up the way I did and you have ants that let you watch that Freddy Krueger 3 at 6 years old. Shouldn't be 6 and watch any type. Well, you guys know that. But, but yeah, I forgive you aunties for that. It's okay. But fear is in the direct opposition of faith. Direct opposition. And I'm almost done here. What else hinders embodied faith? Anxiousness. It's the first cousin of fear. Right? They're almost inseparable. Why does the word of God tell us not to be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and petition? With thanksgiving, present your request to God. Why? Because since the fall, there was a perversion in the order of things, in the order of things, Right? order of our loves so we don't trust god first let's be real we don't seek him first we don't trust god first we don't seek him first the enemy knows that and he uses it against us so the smallest thing makes us really anxious what am i going to wear what am i going to wear to the prom what am i going to i broke a nail my life's over The enemy knows how to use that against us. Right? We think that our world is crumbling. Your world is crumbling. Your world. Right? It's, it's not our world. Which leads me to my next. My next one, and I'm almost done here. But how about self-centeredness? Right? That hinders embodied faith. your world turn up get lit you only live once 
all these sayings, but you actually live twice. Smartest people in ancient history believed that the sun revolved around the earth. Right? But then Aristarchus comes around and he's like, well, I actually believe that the I actually believe that we revolve around that yellow star there and all the stars revolve around that. Right? People of the time are like, hmm. Listen, the smartest people like Aristotle, Plato, they say that everything revolves around us. So that heliocentric model theory that you have, go take that to your cave, bury it, never talk about it again. Hundreds and fast forward 1400s. Who is it? Copernicus. Nicholas Copernicus comes around and says, hey, it's been, uh, I know it's been 15 centuries, but um, went to that cave and dug up that theory or model and actually it seems to be true and actually have a model, a working model that says that we actually revolve around the sun. That everything does not revolve around us. That's the point. The point is that we are not the sinner. We are not. We get to participate, right, in what God is doing. What he's already doing in and through his people. We get to be a part of that. We are not the star. So in closing, does faith, being the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, have a look? Does it have a look? It does. Right? In the face of fear, it doesn't flinch. In the face of anxiousness, it doesn't, it doesn't bite his nails. Right? Anxiousness has a look, and fear has a look. But does having total confidence in the fact that your Savior will never let you down, that will always be by your side, have a look? It does. And others can always see it on your face when you embody faith. So let that truth wash over you, right? Let it manifest in your life. That when someone sees you throughout the week, that they'll look at you and they'll say, wow, I saw somebody today that embodied their faith. Like I seen it. It was tangible. It was real. And let that go. Let them speak about it. Right? But all you got to do is be faithful to what God puts in front of you. Amen? Let me pray. And Van, you can come back up. Father, we just, we look to you. We look to you for guidance. Father, we love you. Lord, help us and show us how to embody our faith, Lord. Lord, Father, give us the courage, the courage to embody our faith. That when you say, that what you say stands and, and we walk out and we step out in faith like all these patriarchs did, Lord, like Mary did. She just let it be, as your word says here. Let it manifest itself in us, Father. To you be the glory. Guide us throughout the week. May our vision be on you. We love you. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen.